Welcome to the Best Relationship Ever podcast. I'm Freddie Concio. And I'm Melinda Concio. To navigate the best relationship ever, we have found some of the greatest skills to accomplish this. Through 35 years of marriage and 25 years of pastoring, much of what we've learned will be shared throughout our podcast. So if you're interested in creating amazing relationships in your life, Hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our podcasts. So I'm humble, I'm lovable, I'm cuddly and kind. Who am I, Melinda? You're my husband, That's my right. babe. Hey, today we're going to be talking about being lovable because some people literally go on this ramp of I'm not lovable, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. How do you become lovable, Melinda? What's your thoughts? Well, first, I just believe in being genuine and being real. And I just got to share one of my things that I'm not in love with. This past week... Oh, you're going to talk about that. (laughs) We had some furry little rodents... In our uh, car. In our car and chewed up the wiring. Well, let's be clear. It's in the engine of our car, not yes. in the car. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Thank the God. Engine. Yes. They were in our engine. They chewed the wires and it turned out to be over $600 repair. Yes, it was. I do not love those rats. So they're not very lovable or cuddly, are they? Uh, maybe their mama <laughs> loves them, but I sure do not. When we understand what is truly lovable and that you can be lovable, there has to be some kind of value system that we gear it by. Like, what makes me lovable? Well, there's a value in you that makes you lovable. Well, how do I know I have value? Well, here's some ways that you can think about it. I, I once saw a post, one person said, I am worth it and I have a lot of value and add some tax. <laughs> So, so <laughs> now there was they were so valuable that they needed to be taxed. I guess so. Yeah, when you come to them, you're going to pay extra tax. You know. But anyway, to <laughs> be lovable, funny. what is it to be lovable? Yeah. Well, first of all, you've got to recognize where you came from. Well, hold on. I Go have ahead. a question for you. So, are you talking about lovable to others, lovable to God, lovable to yourself? You what just is- hit all three of them. Oh, okay. That's perfect. Yeah. Self, others, and God. Right. Okay. So when you're looking at that, you're looking at a value. So what is the value system that I have to judge by that makes me lovable? Because everybody has a different value system that you can judge by. Well, one value system that, of course, we look at, Melinda and I, as believers, we look at why did God think we were valuable enough to send his son and die on a cross for us? So why did God even want to engage in a relationship with us? What makes me so valuable that the living God wants to know me? And here's some scriptures that kind of lay that out. Well, then if you can read Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, check that out. It says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus. Reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them. 
living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. So he set us up right there for success. Because you're looking at it, he says, you're a master's work. You're a master's work. You're an, a work of art. And when you look at this, you start to realize, hey, that there's some value when you come into that, when you are created by the living God. So I like to think of it as, in Genesis, when it talks about creation, that we were created in the image of God. Yeah. So we, each human being, has the image of God imprinted within them, in their DNA, in their very being. There's the value. And I think the value is even from that perspective, it's nothing I can do to make God love me more because he's already chose me. Yeah, that even reminds me of what David wrote in the Bible, that we were formed in our mother's womb. In other words, God had his hand in on his handiwork with us. Yeah. That's beautiful when you think about that. Yeah. I think that's like in Psalms, right? Like 139 or something? Yes, Psalms 139. Yep, that's it. And that is so wonderful to even think the creator of the universe would take time to be a part of my personal creation and formation. That's... That's a mind blower, really. It is. So that's our relationship with God. He values us. He already sees value in us. We've talked about that multiple times. We can't do anything to change his mind. He like really is crazy about us. You're a done deal. He loves you. Well, the next thing I think we should look at and talk about a bit is the relationship we have with ourselves. Right, because you're dealing with... The value that you have between you and God. Right. But what about the value you have between people, others, you know, family, friends, coworkers? Exactly. Well, and that's even two areas, right? How do I see value of myself or in myself and then the value with others or how I can see value in another person? That That's a super important. It reminds me of a story of uh, about the gold coin. And uh, listen, this is very heavy. It goes like this. There's a man that had a gold coin, and he would take that gold coin. Back in Bible days, that's how they usually exchanged uh, money, you know, was through through the value of silver or gold, and, and they would have a scale, and they could weigh the gold, and they can determine the value or the worth right. of that gold. Yeah. And much like gold, we're just like that in life, where people have carried us, and sometimes they've dropped us on the ground or dropped our relationship on the ground. It chips the gold. And that's what would happen back in the Bible days. The gold would get chipped, it would get worn down, and they would weigh it, and it would be worth less. Wow. That heavy statement, the word worth less. It didn't have the same value that it had before. Sometimes the things that we go through in life the hits, the pains, the hurts, the sorrows, the our, our place of origin, our family of origin that has hurt us, causes us to enter into a place of feeling worthless. Yeah. And yet God says you're worth more. Yeah. It changes your value of who you really are. And it's not the eyes of people that determine your value. Right. I think that's uh, incredibly important. The last phrase you said right there. That if we're waiting for a, another human being to validate our worth, you could be waiting an entire lifetime. Exactly. Because it will never come. I, there is a, a style of art, and I, you had done this teaching a long time ago, and I don't remember the name of it. But what they do is they take broken pottery or uh, yep. plates or something, mm-hmm. and instead of throwing it away because it's cracked or broken, they actually use gold 
to mend it. And so it has veins of gold yeah. so running the cr- through so it. So the cracks in the pot, they would put gold yeah. to piece it together. It's beautiful. And it's gorgeous work. Even prettier. Art. It's art. Yeah. So the value is reestablished and even increased. I feel like in, in some sense, that's the way God works with us. Yeah, that's beautiful. All the broken pieces, the neglect, the harm, trauma. Uh, I know for myself, things I went through as a child um, that, that left damaging marks in my life. And mm. I looked at myself as worthless, not as good as the other person, not as good as the girl who sat next to me in school. I could never be as good as her or pretty as her or as valuable because I was marred with imperfection and brokenness. Mm, mm. But then God now, through all this time and recognizing it, he says, I wasn't damaged in his eyes. No. And he just poured in his own self, like that gold, yep. to and restore it. Totally restored and beautiful. A masterpiece, basically. You become God's masterpiece. Yeah. And we are that work of art. So that's why that scripture was clear, the one you just read right. a while ago, about being his workmanship. So in looking at that, you kind of come to a place and start realizing there are things in life that we need to realize so that we can value ourselves and others. Yeah. Because when we look at others and we see them, sometimes we judge uh, by what I would call two different magnifying glasses. One magnifying glass is in your right hand and the other magnifying glass is in your left hand. Yeah. One magnifying glass magnifies all the areas that are good about you. Oh, she's got nice hair. She has nice teeth. Oh, she talks nice. I like her voice. I like this. I like that about her. It's all that thing that is magnified. But if I pull up my other magnifying glass in my left hand, it's all the negative. Oh, she's got a chip tooth. Critical, and, oh, yeah. she's a little heavy. And oh, she's a little... Drama queen, and oh, I just don't like that attitude, and she doesn't come from the best family, and so on. And it goes on and on and on about how negative we can be about someone just by viewing it through that kind of lens. So then we each have a choice. Yes. Which way we're going to look at people. We can go by a positive attitude, a uh, perspective of saying, I want to look for the best in this person, Mm -hmm. or we can look for the negative, right? Yep, yep, that's it. And in doing so, we set ourselves up in relationships of devaluing people or valuing people, and our goal is to value. Right. There's so many things that go along with this. I mean, we could take, you know, a couple years on just this one area because it is such a sensitive area because it has a lot to do with our personal experiences and perspective. Yep. How we see another person, they may remind us of somebody. And especially we've come from a place of trauma or hurt in our past, especially in our childhood. Mm. We may not even cognitively be aware that I'm making choices about this person or in the judgments. way I see yep. them, a judgment. But it, it comes up quick. Yes. So we have to be purposeful in looking for the good, picking up that magnifying glass to see the image of God even in that person. 
I agree. One of the things that we wanted to do with this particular program is I wanted to give some techniques, Mm -hmm. some techniques that you would use to navigate relationships that may end up in a conflict. What do I do if I enter into a conflict? Some people, it's either fight or flight. I'm going to run or I'm going to beat them up, one of the two. But there are techniques that we can use, and we're going to reveal them today, some different ones that you can use in the relationship to help it. The one I want to talk about, Melinda, is the one to 10 rule. The one to 10 rule. And that one, to this day, I still use it in my marriage. All the time. And and you're better at using it. You remember more often than I do to bring this up when we're trying to make a decision or try to balance like, well, whose turn it is it to pick what we're going to eat tonight? Yeah, it's <laughs> that simple. You pull this out. Yeah, a good example is like, let's say we're going to go out to eat. What do you want to eat? Okay, we're going to have Chinese. Okay, we have Chinese. No, oh, no, no, I want Mexican. Okay, either one. Which one do you want, Mexican food or Chinese food? So Melinda will say, let's say she says Mexican food, and I say Chinese food, and we say, okay, who's going to win? And most people end up, whoever gets the loudest, whoever screams the most, whoever cries the most, wins the choice. We look at it on a one to 10 basis. I'll say, Melinda, on a one to 10, be honest. How bad do you really want Mexican food? Didn't you just have it last week? Yeah, it's true. She'll say, maybe it's more like about a five. And she'll say, well, how bad do you really want Chinese food? And I'll say, well, we haven't had it like forever. And I've got a real craving for it. And it's like a seven. So guess what? The seven ends up winning. Now, the way to particular use this technique is honesty is the best policy you can't say it's a 10 it's a 10 it's a 10 i win again it's a 10 no it's got to be honesty of course well and the way this works because i don't think we said this up at the front yeah zero being i have no consideration or care for up to a 10 which is it's extreme importance means a lot this is yeah this means a lot to me so you have the whole thing between zero and 10, what means a lot and what doesn't have any value at And the think time. of places you could use this. Like you're in the car and she says, I want to stop by and go see my mom. And then all of a sudden the husband goes, no, I don't want to. Then you do the one to 10 thing. Right. When you do that one to 10 thing, it changes things because if you truly love your partner, if you truly want to be a person that values others, then you're going to value their opinion in regards to the one to 10. Well, and I think there's two parts. You brought up the one about the honesty because you have to be honest with one another, not take advantage of the situation. But the other thing is recognizing your own personal value. Yes. To say, I am worth asking for this for myself. Yep, worth it's speaking like up. Yeah, my turn. Nine. Yeah. We have to go see my mom because we haven't seen her in six months, you know? <laughs> so this is really important. Um, but keeping that as a place of recognizing my value too. Because yes. I think in the past, there's been times where I wouldn't speak up for myself. So true. And then I'd hold that secret resentment inside me. He doesn't even care. So it's, it's about communication. Yeah. So that one to 10 rule works in many 
avenues. I mean, not just for your food, but for other things in life that are more little important to you. Like when you say, oh, this really means a lot to me. Sometimes they don't get that. Sometimes you got to give them the one to 10 because you may say uh, the car means a lot to me or this donut means a lot to me. And they both kind of rate the same, but they're totally different. They're totally different. So when you're rating different things, you want to be able to look at it on a 1 to 10, and that way they can understand you clearly. To this day, there are things that Melinda will say on a 1 to 10, yeah, uh, it's a 7. Like, wow, I would have thought it was a 2. I had no idea it was that much. It meant that much to you in life. Yeah. That's important. Well, it's a 10 to me that those rats never come back to my car. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> nah. Are you in agreement on that one? I totally believe that. Here's here's another technique. Okay. okay. That's technique number one. Technique number two on the way, which is apologies. Yeah. Apologies. That's a really good one. Asking for forgiveness or saying I'm sorry. You know, the saying I'm sorry, I, I got to tell you something. When I enter into a place of hearing somebody say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and then I'm sorry again, and then I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. And eventually you almost get fed up with I'm sorry, and there's a reason why. You're talking about a long-term relationship where it's been a constant, this is their only resolve by saying, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry again. That's their constant. That's like their, what they call the default mode. I just go to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then before you know it, you get so upset at them and you don't realize why you're so upset at them because they keep saying, I'm sorry for some of the same things that they just said they were sorry about yesterday. So what you're asking for is a change. Mm -hmm. And we in our family learned this technique a long time ago. Even with our kids, we tried to exercise it because one kid would hit another one and I would say, well, now tell them you're sorry. How dare you? Our children were angels. Well, somewhat, yes. Uh, (laughs) What I would, I would tell him was say, now tell your brother you're sorry for hitting him. And he goes, sorry. And I went, wait, wait a minute, do you even know what the word sorry means? He goes, no, just I'm sorry. And I said, the word sorry comes from the word sorrow, which means you're sad about hitting your brother. And you're feeling bad about the wrong that you did when you hit your brother. And then they'll look and they'll kind of go, I'm supposed to feel bad about that? Yes, you're supposed to feel bad. Your brother's crying there in the corner. And then all of a sudden, they connect. They connect the feelings of the wrongdoing. They connect the feelings of sorrow. And then they say, I'm sorry. So we connect that. But then we didn't stop there. We would tell them, and what I'll do next time is, in other words, go to your brother, yes, and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, which means I have sorrow for what I did. And I apologize. And then say, what I'll do next time. Yes. Whoa. What do you mean what I'll do next time? If we're in that same situation where I'm about to hit you again, this is what I'll do next time, my brother. And what is it? Well, I'll hit a pillow or I'll look the other way or I'll run around in a circle and not hit you. Go ahead. But what that does is it taught them problem-solving skills. Yes. There you go. (laughs) So that they were able to think of something they could do differently. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, you're sharing as we taught our kids when they were like eight and 10 years old. But even as adults, we need to recognize when we've hurt or injured somebody. And it doesn't have to mean it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people get stuck on the point of, well, I didn't mean to hurt them or it wasn't my intention. And there's two parts that go hand in hand with this. First off, And this was something that meant the world to me when I learned it. It's basically 
we judge ourselves by our intentions. But in other words, what I mean by intentions is what I was thinking I wanted to do or what was in my heart. It wasn't my intention to hurt. But people outside of our own mind and our own head can only judge us by our actions. Yes. So we've used the uh, explanation before that if you're dancing with somebody and you step on their toe, it was a complete accident. You didn't mean to hurt them. But it still hurts. But it doesn't take away the fact that it exactly still hurts. Even though you didn't do it on purpose. So exact. that's it. But that's why the words when you say, I am sorry that I hurt you. In other words, I acknowledge your pain. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge wrong done to you. Which means you valued me the minute you did that. You valued my pain, my sorrow, whatever. And then the second half, to think of a next time, I'll watch for your toes when I come down with my heels. You yes. know, I'm not going to try and hurt you. Yep. There. Are so, the, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Because it just, to me, it just uh, validates the other person that I care enough to try and think of a solution so I don't fall, especially in the heat of a battle, when you've said words you know maybe you shouldn't have had said or wish hadn't come out the way they did. But next time, say, I'm going to think about this before it happens again. In personal relationships, we find ourselves sometimes having to go navigate through landmines. And landmines are places that we have our arguments, our disputes, our our anger blows up, something happens, and there's a landmine about to happen. And you find yourself getting ready to navigate that landmine, and you don't realize that they're looking to be valued in that area and you're looking to get your point across and that's when sometimes we can end up in the crosshairs of life yeah so true when we are uh navigating another person because you can't be a mind reader no right i i can't i can't assume on you i mean i do at times i shouldn't assume on you uh to know what you're thinking about or where you're going so to validate your feelings, to validate the hurt maybe that has come to you doesn't devalue me. And I think sometimes... I like the way you said that. Say that again. I like that. that was yeah, really to, good. to validate another person's hurt or pain or circumstance that there is in, they are in doesn't devalue me as a person or my thoughts or my beliefs. Mm-hmm. So even... Like, let's say we're in a dispute and say, and we'll just use the foot stepping on each other's foot. Say, you stepped on my foot, I stepped on your foot. So we both stepped on each other's foot. And maybe I didn't say nothing, but you did say something. It doesn't take away the fact that they both got hurt. Right. And it doesn't take away the fact that if I value you and acknowledge your hurt, that doesn't take away my hurt. Yes. It doesn't take away that, that, that mine doesn't have any value, so you get away with the hurt only. So important. And because we're doing this purposefully to help build relationships, it's important that we recognize, and just like we had started with, one, the value that God sees in us. And Mm -hmm. to me, we're talking about the greatest relationships. That's number one. So number one, that value and that recognition that God has in us. Mm -hmm. And then two, that within myself, see, if I hold value of who I am as a person, and I can be honest and say this this is the good part of me. There's some stuff that's not so good, yeah. but I still hold value. 
then coming into a relationship, I'm able to give value to you mm-hmm. without losing my own. Yeah. So this this apology thing, saying I'm sorry, can come down to a simple statement. Number one, I'm sorry, which means I have sorrow for what I did or whatever happened or your hurt that took place. Number two, and this is what I'll do next time. I'm literally thinking of an idea that would cause me to change so that I wouldn't cause that pain on you again. Next time I'll step to the left or let you know I'm stepping to the left. Next time we'll step to the right together. Whatever it works, however it works, to be able to tell somebody, this is what I'm going to do next time in order for that not to happen. That's really good. Hey, have you ever heard this saying? It says, the biggest communication problem is that we do not listen to understand We listen to reply. That's my big one. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, because there are times you and I have had conversations and we get a little heated in the conversation. And as we're starting to get upset, uh, I'll stop listening to your words. And in that, I'll miss exactly because I'm starting to look for my reply. I tuned you out a while ago and I'm waiting to give my information and get my point across when I totally missed that you were trying to say I'm sorry or I totally missed that you were trying to explain the situation. I totally missed it. And that is because I'm listening to reply rather than listen to be a good listener. And even at that point, you say you're listening to reply. I don't think you're even listening. Yeah, exactly. Or on myself. I, sh- I shouldn't put a you on it. I'm, I'm not trying to say that you... I've been guilty of this many times, that instead of actually listening so that I can be in the communication, in the moment, to actually hear what you're saying, to hear your heart, mm-hmm. your motives, that I'm busy trying to build my next point so I can win this argument. I'm not going to give in this time because I gave in all the other times. So that's another technique. Be a good listener. In James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. In verse 20, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, Mm. slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of of God. Wow. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. Yes. Interesting. That's almost the opposite that we as people usually do. Yeah. We're more quicker to speak and get it out. Yeah. And well, we used to tell our kids all the time what God gave you two ears and only one mouth. Yes. Maybe you should do double the listening. And half of the talking. Yep. I remember saying that too in church. I would say, hey, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Take the hint. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So even as we've been going through these last three podcasts, we talked about the greatest commandment, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one is like this, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, The greatest relationships that we can build is first of all, with God and have that connection. And second, to find that value in ourselves. So that is the springboard or the life uh, source 
that we then can give out and step into other relationships. Yeah, totally, totally. Let's put the tennis shoes on this before we sure. close up here. Tennis shoes, which means how to walk this out or how to have a takeaway mm-hmm. from this lesson that we just learned today. Uh, number one technique we learned was the one to 10 rule. Remember oh, that yeah. one, the one oh, to 10 yeah. rule. So we share 10 being the highest value, one being the least, and hearing it from both sides, because that's important. The number two one is the apology of how I'm saying I'm sorry and I'm sorry, but this is what I'll do next time. What changes the course of just being sorrow of what you did. You're literally changing the course that I don't want to repeat this on you and have to say sorry again tomorrow. That's good. The other one that you did, Belinda, which was really great about the communication and listening, and that sometimes we we listen to reply of what our next statement is rather than listen just to listen mm-hmm. and to absorb what that person is saying. That is a very powerful technique to be able to switch and be a good, healthy listener. Hey, I want to encourage you, really, just take time uh, to share this uh, episode with somebody. I mean, when you share these things, I did this the other day. I, I sent it to a friend, and they came to me. You know, with the podcast, I sent the, uh, I clicked the link and sent it somehow to them, and they ended up saying thank you for thinking of me. That really means a lot. So it wasn't so much just a podcast being a blessing to them. It was just the fact that somebody was thinking about them. Yes. And if you got a friend or a family member that maybe you heard something in this podcast that you said, man, they would they would really get a lot out of this. They would get something out of this. Take time and send it to a friend. That's great. I love sharing podcasts. I'm, I'm sending it to my friends and family all the time because sometimes I hear something and, and I don't think that I'm always the best uh, tool to get that information across as well as it's been said already in the podcast. Yeah. So it's really simple to copy the link and, and send that to somebody. And plus, you're also helping Freddie and myself. You're helping uh, Best Spread Relationship Ever get the word out. We yeah. are building uh, a group of people that want to build healthy relationships yes. and take their lives into the best possible place it could be. Yep. And episode one and two is a great way to start because this was us building our foundation. Episode one, two, and three, that was a foundational building of how we can now start doing the techniques of relationship. Because without a foundation to build upon, then you're just kind of like building on sand and it's all going to fall apart. So we're not looking for these techniques and these things that we're going to start sharing from here on out to fall apart. I want them to work for you. And this is the foundation we built upon, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's great. Thanks for tuning in today. Look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Something to remember. God has placed relationships as one of his top priorities, and I believe we can learn to do that as well. Like and subscribe to BRE Podcast. Be sure to share with friends. Best Relationship Ever is based out of Covering Ministries. You can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. There is also a link directly to our website in the show notes. Please consider partnering with us. Help us see this program reach thousands who are in need of support and trainings.